Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Turn Left. I am your host, Indiana's own Dana Black, coming to you live. Yes, all the way live in Black Pearl Studios, where we talk about Indiana politics from the left side of things. Yo, can I give y'all some advice? I mean, you, you ain't got to really take it, but let me give y'all some advice. If you decide that you want to go pick a fight with somebody, say it's a sanctioned boxing match or a taekwondo match or a street brawl, a bar brawl, or even an, a verbal tete-a-tete, I need you to be prepared to get hit in the mouth. Now, if you don't want to get in the mouth, hit in the mouth, then maybe not get into a fight. I mean, I don't want to get hit in the mouth, so you, you're not gonna, I'm, you're not gonna see me put on no boxing gloves. You're not gonna. Well, actually, that's not true. But I'm not gonna like start a fight and then not think that I can't get hit in the mouth. I mean. Don't you think that makes sense? If you're going to get in a brawl, like you you knuckling up or you think you're going to get into a verbal tete-a-tete and say and do whatever you want to pick on people, that some of that funk is going to come back to you? Well, apparently, a sensitive little Senator Aaron Freeman decided it was a good idea to pick a fight with all of Marion County in Indianapolis, you know, the city with <clears throat> 30% black folk, 30%, 30%, a significant population of Latinos, mm -hmm, a huge AAPI com uh, com a group of people. I'm messing up, can't talk. But he thought, I'm Aaron Freeman. I'm a, I'm a pick a fight. Because I don't want nothing. That, I don't want Indianapolis to have anything that their local people vote for. And then he got hit in the mouth last week. People were coming after him hard. They were saying, basically, bro, we don't have 26 city county counselors. Got 25. Bro, why do you hate Indianapolis? Bro, why are you anti-transit? He didn't like none of those, those accusations. But he started the fight. So he gets up. Y'all should have seen it. It was actually kind of funny. Y'all should have seen it. Little dude got up and was crying like a big old baby. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, the tears. My goddaughter, who is two years old, don't cry as much as he did. Oh, we should be nicer to each other. Oh, we can agree to disagree without discourse. Bro, everything you have done in that legislature has made it harder for the people of the city of Indianapolis and Marion County to do anything. And you now you mad? Now you in your feelings? I'm going to need you to man up. I'm going to need you, as, as uh, the homeboys used to say when I was at North Central, grow a pair. I'm going to need you to be an Audi instead of an Innie. You hard. Or maybe you should overreact. Because <laughs> women know what we doing. We we ain't scared no more. But Aaron Freeman, you little punk, you got all in your feelings after you attack people, after you decide that you want to get into a fight with Indianapolis. And when Indianapolis comes for you because what you're offering up for us is terrible, 
You want to start crying in the safety of the chamber? What am I talking about? Y'all want to know what I'm ranting about? All right. WFII reports a bill that puts a one-year moratorium on dedicated bus lines Pass, bus lanes passed out of the Indianapolis Senate on Monday. Opponents of the bill say the pause could scuttle millions in federal funds for the Blue Line, uh, Indianapolis's third ba- uh, bus rapid transit line. Indigo has testified that the bill could ultimately kill the Blue Line altogether. Over an hour of testimony on the bill centered around whether the legislation represented state overreach, which it does, into the affairs of local government. Uh, you know, even Shelly Yoder said, yo, is she in Bloomington? She was like, It's hard for me to get to the airport without a car. We should be able to have transit. Rapid transit from the airport to downtown area of Indianapolis. We should have it. That's what she said. The blue line would provide rapid bus transit on the east side to the international airport way over on the west side. Several lawmakers said the legislation overruled what Indianapolis residents have repeatedly asked for at the ballot. Senator Andrea Hunley said the measure would stall Indianapolis's economic growth. How can we be a first-class city without first-class transit that will take us from our airport to our convention center, from our airport to the heart of downtown, from our airport to a variety of hotels, she asked. We don't need a study. Bill sponsor Freeman said his measure would, will study the efficacy, efficacy of dedicated lines during the one-year pause, and that's it. I'm not saying I'm anti-transit. I'm not saying I'm anti-bus. I'm not saying I'm not I'm anti-anything. All I'm saying is you should examine shared line, lanes versus dedicated lanes. Unfortunately, it came out of the Senate and heads to the House. So, I'm sorry, if you're not anti-transit, you're not anti-bus, then why are you putting this legislation on the floor? Why don't you believe in home rule and let the people in the city of Indianapolis who elected their city council, their city county council, govern us the way we want? Oh, no, you don't like that. Now, I know people are going to tell me, Dana, race ain't got nothing to do with it. Race ain't got nothing to do with it. You know why race has something to do with it? Because of the 30% African-American population. Indianapolis is overwhelmingly Democratic. We are Democrats in Indianapolis. And the Republicans, which has a majority, because we only 9%, black folks are only 9% in the state. So y'all have an overwhelming majority in the rest of the state. But we're saying we want to be governed a certain way. And he think he massa. He don't believe that we should be able to govern ourselves. If you think it's anything other than that, you are slipping and sleeping. Aaron Freeman, oh, yeah, we ain't done with you yet. I'm just being nice today. But he ain't the only idiot in the state house, and I know why he felt super safe in the state house because uh, I can't even tell you how many times I've called this man a fool. Students from Burris Laboratory School in Muncie who were visiting the State House on Tuesday say they felt threatened after Representative Jim Lucas opened his coat and flashed a handgun. The student member, students, members of Student Demand Action, had traveled to Indianapolis to attend the annual Advocacy Day held at the State Capitol to ask lawmakers to do more to curb gun violence. Uh, Makina Fivecoats, who's 17, said, my heart sank to my stomach. 
I genuinely felt very unsafe at that moment. And I really just wanted the conversation to kind of end after that. It's, it's kind of almost like I felt like a threat to me. I want to say that's, that uh, I want to say that's not how he meant it. But when he, when you show someone that you have a gun on you, there's no way to really other mean it other than a threat. A short time later, Lucas became frustrated when another student, um, Elena Trissel, 17, began saying her worries about gun violence were distracting her from worrying about normal teenage things. The lawmaker then abruptly ended the conversation and walked away. How many more idiotic things will we allow Jim Lucas to do before we say enough of, is enough of this clown? I mean, mind you, you know, he was begging the state trooper not to take him to jail after he got pulled over with a DUI. Now, first of all, why does he have to have a gun in the state house? There are uh, state police all over that building, all over that building. So what do you need a gun for? And I don't know about y'all, but I'm old school. One of the reasons why I don't have a gun is because I know I have a temper. And my daddy told me when he was teaching me guns, said, listen, if you show a gun, you need to be prepared to use it. That's what he just did. He flashed his gun. How many of those young students got the same lesson that I got? I don't even need to see your gun. But here we have children having to have active shooter drills. And this clown was so insensitive to the trauma that these young people were having that he wanted to flash his gun. Bro, what's wrong with you? Why are you in my state house? Why are you representing humans? Why don't you go play with the pigs and the cows and see more and leave the, let the humans govern? Because you are ridiculous. GOP, y'all trash. Y'all keep, y'all keep serving up trash. Aaron Freeman and Jim Lucas are trash, but you know what? We got a good candidate running against Jim Lucas. Y'all find Trish Wickham, donate to her campaign. Let's send her to the state house uh, for that district and get his behind on out of there. Unfortunately, we don't have anybody running against Freeman. So if you over on the far east side, or you out in Southern Hendricks County or Hancock County, could you please step up and run against Freeman? We'll support you. We'll get out there and support you. I'm not telling you that the party is going to support you. That's not what I'm saying. I'm telling you people who believe in electing people who are going to write good policies that improve lives instead of making the life harder for people. If you don't have a vehicle and you need to get to the airport, you got to pay an exorbitant amount of money to get an Uber or a Lyft. But we could, we could solve this problem. And by the way, Indianapolis is hosting the All-Star Game this, year, this month. How much easier it, would it be for people who are going to be coming in the hundreds of thousands of people who are going to be coming to Indianapolis to just get on the bus and go from the airport to downtown? Y'all trying to cripple the economic hub of our entire state. Cut it out. Because if you're waiting for, for somebody in, I don't know, Kosciuszko County to be the economic hub, it ain't going to happen. If you're looking for some, something in White County to be the economic hub of our state, it ain't going to happen. If you're looking for some, a business in Martinsville, it's not going to happen. The economic hub is right here. And I need the business leaders to stand up. 
Stop letting this happen. Get on your boys and say, look, we finna cut your fun if you keep all this nonsense out. Y'all got the power. Y'all not doing nothing with it. But more importantly, we as voters have the power. And I got one last thing. Yeah, I know my shows be running long. Oh, y'all know, I, I got lots of things to talk about. I'm sick of Nikki Haley. She done got on my nerves too. Running around talking about America has not been and is not a racist country. She lying or she ignorant or both. But I'm going to go with lying because she know better. See, she knows that America's a racist country so much so she don't even use her first name. She uses her middle name because it sounds more European. Now, why won't you just use your first name? If it's not a racist country, oh, you needed to, to fit in. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But in honor of the idiocy of a lot of people on the right that want to believe that America has not been a racist country, I'm going to take this month of black history Black History Month, and I'm going to highlight someone who has been impactful in my growth and my journey. Because apparently, these people don't want to read a book. They want to. They don't want to pick up nothing. They don't want to. They don't want to learn nothing. They want to pretend like ain't nothing happening. Now, granted, black folks ain't the only ones that have suffered under the tyranny of white supremacy. But it's Black History Month, and this is a shout out to my Native Americans who, you know, yo, y'all still here. They tried to commit genocide on y'all and pretty much did, but y'all still here. But this is a Black History Month and I'm going in. So my first, for the first week of Black History Month, we are going to talk about, and because my rant was kind of fire every night, I think this is a good person to start with. We're going with Miss Fannie Lou Hamer. Fannie Lou Hamer rose from humble beginnings in the Mississippi Delta to become one of the most important, passionate, and powerful voices of, of the civil, civil and voting rights movement and a leader in an effort for greater economic opportunities for African-Americans. Hamer was born on October 6, 1917 in Montgomery County, Mississippi, the 20th and last child of sharecroppers Lou Ella and James Townsend. She grew up in poverty and at the age of six joined her family picking cotton. By age 12, she left school to work. In 1944, she married Perry Hamer and the couple toiled in the, uh, on the in Mississippi plantation owned by... Marlowe until 1962 because Hamer was the only worker who could read and write. She also served as plantation timekeeper. In the summer of 1962, Hamer attended a meeting led by civil rights activist James Foreman of the Student Nonviolence, uh, Nonviolent Coordination Committee, SNCC, and James Bevel of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, SCLC. Hamer was incensed by efforts to deny blacks the right to vote because, you know, ain't no racism because you're denying them the right to vote. She became, SNCC, became a SNCC organizer, and on August 31st, 1962, she led 17 volunteers to register to vote at the Indianola, Mississippi Courthouse. Denied the right to vote due to, to unfair literacy tests, the group was harassed on their way home when police stopped their bus and fined them $100 for the trumped-up charge that the bus was too yellow. Mm. That night, Marlowe fired Hamer for her attempt to vote, her husband was required to stay until the harvest. Marlowe uh, confiscated much of their property, and Hamer moved to Ruleville, Mississippi, in Sunflower County with very little. In 1964, Hamer, Hamer's national reputation soared as she co-founded the Mississippi Freedom Democratic Party, which challenged the local Democratic Party's effort to black, uh, black, par black participation. Hamer 
and other MFDP members went to the Democratic National Convention that, that year arguing to be recognized as an official delegation. When Hamer spoke before the Credentials Committee calling for mandatory integrated state delegation, President Lyndon Johnson held a televised press conference so she could not get any television airtime. But her speech, with its poignant descriptions of racial prejudice in the, in the South, was televised later. By 1968, Hamer's vision for racial parity in delegations became a reality, and Hamer was a member of the Mississippi's first integrated delegation. And see, why did I pick Hamer? Because some of us don't have, like, crazy amounts of education. Some of us don't have crazy amounts of money. But you can make a difference in your community just by getting involved, just by being persistent, just by being loud, just by being unmovable. These people out here will deny you your existence, trans community, to get what they want the way they want and how they want. But if we show up bringing our time, talent, and treasure, we can make hay and make them nervous. The president of the United States had to preempt a, a, a sharecropper, a cotton-picking sharecropper, cropper because of how powerful she was. Yeah, she's inspired me. She inspired me when I was a little girl. I remember when she passed away in 1977. And I am here today with my great big old mouth giving all the business because of people like Fannie Lou Hamer. All right, that's my first person that I'm going to talk about. And uh, now it's time for me to bring on more, uh, my sponsor. Two years in a row, I've had a sponsor and I'm loving it. You want to be a sponsor? How does your girl? But first, Bones, Unique Boutique. Today's show is brought to you by Bones Unique Boutique. Click on the QR code. And for all Turn Left listeners, you can get a 10% discount on your order by using the code DEMOCRAT. Be sure to visit www.bonesuniqueboutique.com. Are you looking for an affordable content creation option? If so, look no further than Black Pearl IT Solutions and Black Pearl Studios. Indiana's own Dana Black is providing many of the communication wraparound services any Democratic organization needs. No matter the size of the budget, Indiana's own has you covered. Just scan the QR code or visit www.blackpearl-its.com. All right, all right, all right. You know, we got to pay them bills. That's what they say when you have a real production. I, it's just me and my crib. Yo, uh, I'm excited today because, first of all, I've been having great conversations with these amazing young women. And, yeah, I call them young. They mamas. They got kids that are teenagers, but they still young. Um, and they are also out here being leaders in their communities their way. I'm super excited. Now, look, before y'all start any troubles with me, Y'all don't want y'all don't want this smoke. I'm trying to tell y'all. And I've said it before because I repeat my congressman. Congressman Andre Carson always says competition is good. 
So first up tonight, I want to introduce you to someone who is running for the Indiana House uh, District 95. Yes, she's got a primary opponent, and I promise you, ooh, we're going to have them conversations when I bring on my other guests, right? Because I'm going to make sure that everybody has a chance to talk about why they want to represent you. Party don't get to tell me who get to come on. Party don't get to tell me who can't come on. This here mine. I pay the bills. I pay, how they say it? I pay the cost to be the boss, but it ain't about me. So y'all give it up for my first guest, running for House District 95, my friend, Autumn Carter. Autumn, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Dana. I appreciate you for having me on the show. I love it. I love it. Now, this has never happened before. This is the first time thing I've ever done. I thought it would be a great way to kick off Black History Month because I think as black folks, we need to understand the importance of our role in this democracy and civic engagement. This is the first time I've ever had the, cur the current campaign manager of the candidate who is running for office. But she is also someone I admire and love all the things that she brings to the community and that she's doing her thing. Miss Samantha Douglas. Samantha, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And can I just shout out once again, the great talent that Hoosier Women Forward keeps churning out. Both of these beautiful ladies are Hoosier Women Forward alum. Before we get started, tell us what it meant, what it means to have gone through that Hoosier Women Forward program and how has it helped shape you as a candidate and as a campaign manager. Autumn, I'm going to let you go first. Sure. I think Hoosier Women Forward has been instrumental in just understanding um, really things from a state lens and scope um, and just really being able to understand like what your niche is um, within that. I feel like to me, politics is such a broad scope of things. Um, but within that, you're able to identify where you can serve best um, because of the exposure that you're given and the opportunities that you are given to learn. Mm -hmm. And I also believe that they equip you with the, um, with the skill set and the mindset to really put yourself out there. If you're thinking about running for candidacy, if you're thinking about being a campaign manager, it equips you with that confidence to go ahead and step out there and say, hey, I'm qualified, why not me? I love it, I love it. Samantha? Same, I was gonna say, it's the validation for me. Mm. Um, making, like, they make it so very clear that you're not crazy. Like people wanting you to wait your turn, people wanting you to um, like act like a lady and do certain things a certain way. Um, they definitely drill that in that, that all of that is BS and that when you're ready to run, do it, um, regardless of how people will feel about it. Um, because, you know, at the very least you get the experience and on the high end, um, you get to really represent your people that you're, that you're passionate about and, and want to represent and, and show up for. So that was everything. But also for me, um, and, and I love to share this. Uh, I know me and you have talked about it, Dana, multiple times times but for me um i was really frustrated with uh, our party at the time when i got accepted into when i applied and when i got accepted into who's Roman forward i didn't think they would accept me um because i'm very much so more community than politics historically um and and it was a new experience for me so i really love that they embraced me like they embraced like how uh outspoken i am how opinionated i am um and and i appreciate that because you know obviously in this space that can kind of be looked down upon mm -hmm. so it was it was great to have that acceptance and that that validation 
I love it. I love it. And guys, um, ladies, if you are interested in getting a part of this amazing program, I know the application period will be opening up in another month or so. So visit the uh, website, Who's Woman For website. I'll include it in the link. Um, but get involved. It's a great way for you as women to figure out where you want to fit into this thing. I got to ask, though, was there anything in that rent y'all wanted to comment on? Come on, Autumn. Is there anything in there? Sure. I um I definitely would say um there's a lot to be said, but I think the one thing that stands out for me, um, just because it's like a hot a hot button for me, it all is, but um I would definitely say Jim Lucas with the gun. I'm just like, seriously. Um, I feel like to me we're we're now validating something that we're we're really trying to um trying to really put on you honestly something that we're trying to control here in the state of Indiana. Um, Indiana. I feel like to me, we have, of course, they went ahead and passed the no carry, um, gun, I'm sorry, uh, permit to carry gun law. Um, and for me, public safety is one of my focus points. And so that that was a hot topic for me. Um, a, because it's inappropriate. School children, really. And then on top of that, you have demand moms who demand action who are at the state house. It's just to me, it's like, it's very counterproductive. Um, and it just screams NRA is funding me. Yes. Um, <laughs> so I just feel like to me, that is, um, that's, that stands out to me. And then on top of that, they want to, they're on the, on the brink of trying to pass Senate bill 14, which allows, um, staff personnel who are not trained to carry, um, weapons. And I, for me, there's too many armed <laughs> guards. As soon as you come in, you have to go through security and they, they let you know that they are armed because it's, it's on their belt. So for me, why are we, um, and why are we embracing, um, something really and truly that should be, um, something that should be provoked, Let's See, Not even yeah. but just on the level of, um, just citizens feeling safe. See, and somebody might have a temper like me to got a gun. I'm just saying. Samantha, was there something that resonated with you? Girl, when you listen, Miss uh is what's is I don't want to butcher her name. This is just Samantha attempting, but Nimarata. Yeah, I didn't even say Nikki it. Haley. <laughs> Ma'am. 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 She's a mess. Ma'am. <laughs> my 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 fellow brown girl okay well you know what you know nimrata what is it is that how we say okay it? is that it? Is nimrata. That it? Oh. i think it, i think that's it but it don't matter it, the fact that you can't run under your your native name that's okay and you're gonna sit here in the same breath in the same campaign baby and try to tell us that you do not believe racism is a problem in our country? That's wild. Wild. It's wild. Like, what are we talking about right now? I can't even, I really can't believe that we're still talking about this, if I'm being honest. In 2024. All right. Yeah. All right. You running for office. You put your name out there, Miss Autumn Carter. Yes, Tell people who you are and where you come from. Sure. So, um, you introduced me. My name is Autumn Carter. Um, I come from Indianapolis. Born and raised. Um, well, I would say raised. I, I, I was actually born in Anderson, moved here when I was five, so I don't think it counts. But <laughs> I still love my hometown, um, nevertheless, but I was raised in Indianapolis. Um, I am a working mother, um, published author, public speaker, and a stage four breast cancer survivor. Um, I have been an advocate in this space for quite some time since being diagnosed. Um, 
And also too, um, I am a very involved person with the Democratic Party. I have been for seven years, um, previously served as the finance director for the Democratic Party, um, currently serving as the Indiana Young Democrats, fi- I'm sorry, not finance, but the um, diversity and inclusion director, yeah. um, as well as sitting on several boards that are um, influencing education, um, like the United Negro College Fund, sending our, um, our brilliant Black brothers and sisters to college. Um, on full ride scholarships and also to full pilot ed, um, where we are really digging in to find solutions for minority children to have um, equal education opportunities. And also to, um, I think the only three boards I said, I think I don't have balance on this year to, um, (laughs) to serve me well with running for office, but that is who I am. Well, okay, well, let me ask you this. Did you go to public schools? I sure did. Really? I did. You mean to tell me public schools produced you? They sure did. Pike, Pike Brown. What? (laughs) Get out. I mean, because if you listen to the State House, they make it seem like public schools are the scourge of the earth. Oh, no. What? Okay, so let me ask you this. You you do a lot of work in the community. What got you to be so civically engaged? Um, I would say... To me, just being a black woman in America, trying to navigate um, this system, I would say, <laughs> um, on every facet from education to um, to political. Because I think to me, what happens is when you figure out that everything is political, you figure out the avenue to get politically involved. And for, so for me, it was really having um, to sit through an election where we didn't have Democrats who showed up at the at the polls, and so I, and that's when Trump was elected. So I started off as an unpaid intern working for the Democratic Party, registering voters to help to um, to bring solutions with bringing people out to vote. Um, and then was asked to come back as the finance director. And it's like, you know, history from there. And so I actually remember um, when you were battling cancer. I remember I've, mm-hmm. I've kn- I knew you before your your diagnosis. And, you know, mm-hmm. obviously, we you know, we ain't hanging out every day, but. I've known you for a very long time and and I really appreciated your presence um, in the Indianapolis political space. But talk Mm -hmm. talk to us as a, what was it like for you as a young single mom at the time, right? Battling cancer, having to make sure that your child was in in a good, healthy space, that she was in a good mental space, that you were in a good mental space. Talk about that journey a little bit. Sure. And I want to say thank you for your kind words. I wouldn't mind hanging out every day though. (laughs) No doubt. Um, (laughs) <laughs> but um, on a serious note, for me being a um, a single black woman who was navigating breast cancer at the time with a child, um, it was devastating. It was heartbreaking because I felt like to me, um, I didn't know what to expose her to and what not to. Mm-hmm. And I'm a very hands-on parent. So I had to really walk her through it and to, to it um, with exposing her to that I was going through uh, breast cancer by finding a book that had interest um that she excuse me that she would find interest to but also talked about breast cancer um so the book was called the good cancer excuse me the goodbye cancer garden mm-hmm. um we sat down and read we read that book and then after that i enrolled her into art therapy um with the cancer community center um just to make sure that i as a mother was not missing cues that she may not be able to verbalize um, but they could probably pick up in her drawings and so for me it was very critical and crucial to make sure that her well-being Um, from a holistic standpoint in order for her to thrive as a black young girl in America still with, you know, a traumatic event happening in her life was addressed through therapy. I love it. 
And so was was the surviving of breast cancer and what you went through made you decide to write the book? Um, I would say yes. 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 So the reason why I hesitate with that is I had always wanted to write a book, but I, for myself, I never thought I had the content for it. And so um, I didn't know what I was going to write about. I just knew that I wanted to be an author um, one day. And it, you know, kind of ties into now, you know, wanting to write state, le- um, excuse me, state legislation. So it's like that prepared me for my journey now because I enjoyed, I truly and thoroughly enjoy grammar. I enjoy everything about, um, about writing. Girl, I'm glad you got, I hate grammar. I'm so glad for the little AI tools to help me <laughs> listen. So when you, okay, you, you, you out here, you survived cancer, you're a single mom, you're an author, you're, you know, but you know, why, why did you decide to run for office? Um, I decided to run because I, I feel like to me, my journey um, has prepared me for it um, as an advocate. Being a black woman in um, the healthcare system, it mm. equipped, for me, it equipped me with the, um, the confidence to be able to speak up for myself, to be able to advocate for other women and tell them what they need to do, what they need to say to doctors in order to hear those buzzwords like, hey, if you don't do this, then I'm going to have you document my chart. And it's not threatening a doctor. It's basically saying, I care about myself, even though you may not care for me. Mm. I care about my well-being and I want to be treated um, the same that my white counterpart will be treated. I love it. I love it. And then as you were beginning the process of assembling your team, mm-hmm. why you reach out to Samantha? <laughs> oh, my gosh. So I tell I tell this story all the time. And it's so funny because me and her are like, like thick as thieves now, but um, <laughs> starting off, um, it really wasn't me reaching out to her. It kind of just happened, which <laughs> is the, um, the the organicness that I love about our 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 working professional relationship. It, that it was genuinely organic. I had been attending. Um, we both were attending Deb Whitfield's fundraiser, and um, congratulations, Mayor Deb. Yes, and I'm so, I apologize for not putting mayor in front of her name. Sorry, put some respect on her name. Right, so, respect Yes, so we were attending uh, Mayor Deb Whitfield's um, fundraiser, and I happened to see Samantha there. And at this point in my journey um, with running for candidacy, I was just letting everyone know that I respected um, or anybody that was involved in the party, hey, I'm running for a state house representative, and kind of just like let them decide from there. Um, so we were chatting. And the first thing I say is, hey, Samantha, I was like, I'm running for state house representative. And she just looked at me and she was like, I really want to die in that seat. And I said, okay. I said, well, I cannot, I cannot be that. But what I can promise you is that I can, I'm going to be building a bench under me. (laughs) In fairness, I said a black man. I said, I want a black man in that seat. Okay. Thank you for the correction. So yes, she said, I want a black man in that seat. And um, so I told her, I said, "I, I can't be that. But I said, what I can do is I can groom black males under me um and so for me that i believe was the point of us coming from two ends of the spectrum to meet in the middle and to me that was just a testament of um when you build relationships and you're really willing to see someone from um not just from you have i want this and i want this it's like you get nowhere but when you can meet somewhere in the middle you can get a lot accomplished so now we are kicking you know kicking butt right now um with the meeting that we had earlier today double teaming things and making things happen for um, the campaign, which is really for the betterment of people. 
So Samantha, you guys had this conversation, um, you know, and you and I have had like amazing conversations. We be, you know, we get on yeah. the phone. We don't know how to get off, right? Uh, yeah. But how did you know? And I'm I'm gonna assume that Hoosier Women Forward helped to prepare. But how did you know you were ready to be a campaign manager? So, um, actually, so before I was ever in Hoosier Women Forward, I had already went through. So in twenty. 22, I did a eight week campaign manager training through Renew US, um, which listen, I highly, highly, highly um, suggest people go through that if you're interested in working in campaigns in any capacity. It was just such an intensive uh, program and it was amazing. You get to meet with amazing people from all over the country. It was beautiful. And then obviously I went through the CBCI boot camp um, last summer, which also prepares you to work campaigns and things. So I wasn't, um, yeah, so I have been doing all the things to learn all the different parts working, uh, on campaigns and stuff. But when it came to autumn, like she said, when we first talked, um, I'm obviously always, if you spent, you know, five, 10 minutes talking to me about politics, you know, how passionate I am about making sure that we keep our black men in the fold because um, for several years now we've been losing them. And um, in as, as some of our politicians start to age out or start to retire, like, you know, the incumbent, we, I increasingly get more concerned about us losing our black men. So I was like, yeah, girl, I hear you, but I, yeah, if we're going to lose one, I, I would like to gain one. <laughs> and, uh, but it was, it was just such a, a nice experience to to talk to her, um, to hear where she was coming from, to hear her passion for her district and for her people. And yeah, it just so all those pieces just kind of connected at once that, you know, she's a, an amazing candidate. And I think sometimes we get tripped up when it's a Democrat when running against a Democrat um, it, that people think it's like, oh, well, why bother? Because we already have that seat and I, just people in general are not created equally. Right. And so I don't I don't believe a party automatically makes you right or wrong for a seat. I think that it really the who you are matters. And I think that um, and in Indy and in a district where we have 70 some percent Democrats, we get to be picky. Right, so why right. not be picky? Um, and right. that's yeah. That's, and, to so be, that's, and to be clear, the incumbent is running for reelection. So we just want to make sure that everybody yeah. knows that, he, that they are running for reelection. But go mm -hmm. ahead. I cut you. Oh, it's okay. That's all I was saying. So yeah, just that moment of just really loving her, her story, her passion for her people, having all of the skills to do this for her, especially like the grassroots community work that I've done, because obviously we're going to have to move people to really get this done. Um, all of those things just kind of converged in that moment. And it just felt like a really good fit. I love it. I love it. So Autumn, one of the things that that one of the biggest problems that we have in the state house right now is the fact that there is a super majority. I mean, literally mm -hmm. today I listened to on the Senate side, they were arguing over they they we discussed for uh, uh, in a significant length of time about what a bill 147 SB 147 was going to make for profit businesses property tax exempt which would then put distribute the burden of those property taxes that the businesses aren't paying onto the everyday person. This is supposed to be the, I'm not going to raise your tax people, but they raising taxes on everybody. But anyway, that's a, a, a mini rant. I, I had to get that. I was upset about that today. How are you going to be able to navigate that? Tell us about your leadership style and your negotiation style, because when you get in, if, if you win the election, you're going to, there's a 
good possibility that you're still going to be in the minority. How are you going to work across the aisle to get some of the things done that you need done? Sure. I think um, to kind of reiterate what you just said <clears throat> is highly important, um, working across the aisle. So re relationship building, for one. Um, and then I also believe that putting sometimes putting the language of things. Um, so I think it's two part. I think there's two different ways to um, to really navigate this qu this question and to really address this question um, is to sometimes you have to put low hanging fruit in the bill. Um, and when I say that, you have to um, put things that will really draw them to what you're trying to say without really and truly. Um, selling your party out because I, I truly believe that and I would and when I say that um it's just really the alignment of values when I say party um but putting low-hanging fruit that they might want to really sign onto this bill because um I truly believe that that is a way to um satisfy what I'm what I want um for my constituents in the state of Indiana and then also to <clears throat> then for um, them to feel like they're making some type of progress for for their communities. And so it's really and truly the, the language and the messaging. I also think that um, sometimes instead of drafting a whole new bill, sometimes we can take a bill that's already in place and change the language on it and ask if we can add or modify things to it to make it for our community, our constituents. Um, and, I, and I hate to say this, but a lot of Republicans are ego driven. So if you're asking a lot of them, politicians are ego driven. You can't just put it on one party. I would say egos. yes. There's some ego. Yes, I agree with that. I agree with that. So <laughs> politicians in general are very ego driven. So if you're willing to sign on to their bill, sometimes it's not about being the author of a bill, but it's about really and truly the outcome for the constituents and putting yourself as a co-signer or a co-author um, versus being the person who signed on. So it's really about um, the constituents at the end of the day and how to make it work for them. It sounds like you're doing your... Oh, I'm sorry, Samantha, go ahead. I was going to ask, can I add to that? Um, because I think sometimes we don't acknowledge... Sometimes we we see so much of where we disagree that we don't acknowledge the things that we do get through, that we have worked together on doing those kind of things. So like getting through that the mental health bill last year that now has allowed a clinician-led uh, teams to respond to mental health calls and things like that in Indy, um, the switches legislation that we got through last year, these are Republicans and Democrats working together. So I don't want people to think that, is it tough? Yes, right? But do we work together to get things done for the good of the community? Yes, that also happens too. So I, I just wanted to throw that in there that this is not what she's talking about isn't like, oh, it's just such a far-fetched or um, hard to, to do. Um, I think it's obviously going to be be a challenge but i think this is one step and her just being so young coming into this um really gives us a, a nice long time right and her commitment to raising up leaders behind her so that we can continue to keep chipping away at that majority oh shoot it sounds like samantha going wrong one these days too. but i'm not i'm not, I'm not I'm, but you're the campaign manager this time this, we, we gonna get to that so it sounds like you've done your homework autumn on how the chamber works where did mm -hmm. you get that knowledge from where'd you get that education from they don't say who's your woman for. Um, okay. Who's your woman for? They prepare you for these things. Um, these are like conversations so that when it does come up, it just flows. It, it makes sense to you. And then if you're not able to, because for me, I'm a big picture person. So I want to know like from beginning to end what the process is. And they do a great job of presenting that to you. Um, and I, I would say taking it a step further and just really doing research on different bills 
um, for myself. I used to work at Ice Miller as well um, in the public affairs group. So I would have to sit there and watch session and look at bills um, for clients to see, you know, what all was taking place that may um, impact our clients. I love it. I love it. So now let's let's talk about policy. All right. Because that's, you know, people want to know how you see the, the, the world that, you know, they want to know if you're the right person to represent them. Um, you mentioned public education. I mentioned it because I'm I'm definitely uh, about that public education. Talk about your views on publication and uh, publication, public education, and how we see Republicans uh, are doing everything they can to privatize public education with the voucher system and things of that nature. What are your What is your stance on public education? How How are you when you're in there? How will you fight for public education? Um, for me personally, I'm fighting to keep public, excuse me, public, public education alive. Um, it's something that education is something that is a, um, a birthright to every single child. And I don't think that it should be, um, it should not be messed with as far as like the, um, the quality or the access to education and what the Republicans are trying to do. They're, they're trying to mess with that essentially. Um, they're trying to mess with that in the sense of, the quality of education, saying that private schools are better or, um, you know, the funding is going to um, private ed- private institutions um, and then also to the access of it. Um, to me, it's like a almost like they're trying to turn it into like a lottery system. And that is not cool. It's not fair. Um, and it's not what um, what education should, should be about. It should be about every single child having equal rights and access to education. Again, it's another form of um, systemic oppression and mm-hmm. um, and um, I would say a form of yeah systemic oppression and racism. And you also mentioned public safety. Um, you mm-hmm. know, for some reason, um, and I, yes, and I rail against Republicans because I think they trash. Um, but, <laughs> but a lot of people don't think that we as Democrats care about public safety, which is stupid, mm-hmm. right? It's dumb because you know. Talk about your plan for public, edu- uh, public, what did I say? I said public safety. Ooh, because I'm telling you, they get me. Because they, they do stupid stuff. Public mm-hmm. safety, what is your plan for public safety and how do you want to address it? Sure. So I would say, um, like I said, a hot button for me would be gun control. Mm-hmm. Trying to uh, really and truly reverse the, um, what's already been done with the permit, um, permitless carry. Um, I believe that that is a way of really and truly allowing our um, our young black brothers and sisters to take themselves out. And so I, I truly believe that that was um, a careless decision that I want to try to reverse. Um, and then also too, I would say with um, public safety, I would say really and truly putting and investing into our young people so that we are keeping them busy um, and keeping, I wouldn't say necessarily busy, but keeping them off the streets, keeping them off um, out, of, out of trouble and harm's way um, and that to me is my plan for public safety. I, I, for As I go, I'm creating a more robust platform. And let me say this, I'm very proud about my platform because I did actually call constituents and I had a community listening session and have created my platform around um, around District 95 and what they were wanting. What, what were they telling you? So um, public safety, they basically were, the, the biggest concern that I'm hearing from constituents is um, gun gun control. And then, as I said, that there's just too much going on with our young people. There's no okay. type of direction. There's no type of investment. And so for me, I hear that loud and clear and I'm going to address it. So th- has anybody talked about criminal justice reform and what that looks like? Um, so I have 
in depth, I have not talked to anyone about that. That has not come up. That is something that is near and dear to my heart because I truly believe that they all go hand in hand um, because you cannot put someone into, um, I would say, into a space of being called a prisoner. And then when they get out, there's nothing for them to like. They're still serving their their mm-hmm. their sentence. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I really want to work on on that. And I also want to work on what is going on behind bars, why people are in prison. Um, Because a lot of times our schools are set up for um, prison to pipeline. I mean, sorry, pipeline to prison. Mm -hmm. And so I really want to address that as well. Um, And that's a whole deep topic that I can dig into. Um, But for me, it would be what is happening behind bars? How are we equipping our our people to come out and to be successful and to really thrive and not to have um, this you know, another form of slavery and another uh, form of systemic oppression. I love it. I love it. Um, I want campaign manager. How's she doing? Okay. I love it. I love it. All right. I want to switch gears a little bit because, you know, um, you, again, you guys are young, you know, I'm 53. I'm, I'm 25, 30 more years, maybe if I'm lucky. Right. But this planet is going to be left to y'all. Um, there are a couple bills in in the general assembly right now. Um, opting to remove more Indiana wetlands. Um, we, rec- we know that when you remove Indiana wetlands, um, it causes more flooding in our cities and towns. Not to mention it has a, it has a negative impact on the entire ecosystem and it, it impacts climate change. One of the things that uh, I've heard from um, p- criticism is that we as black folk, we ain't really been in the climate change movement. That's not true. Um, climate change looks different for us than it does for some other people. But talk to me as young as a young candidate, how you would like to address um, climate change and, and what that means, because y- y'all can't tell me it ain't happening. I mean, mm-hmm. I definitely would say um, partnering with organizations like Sierra Club, um, they are based um, and founded upon really and truly um, getting people engaged so that we are not having global warming and educating people on what global global warming is and how we can prevent it. Um, and so I, for me, I really love to be um, grassroots oriented. So I told Samantha, and correct me if I'm wrong, Sam, I said, I want to stay as close to grassroots organizations as possible. Um, so I would say really truly partnering with the, the SMEs in this, because I don't know everything, um, but I'm open to learning and I'm open, open to um, calling on the subject matter experts who can help me to form bills that are going to um, that are going to align with making sure that we do not have global warming going forward and really how we can reverse that um, and really call on other people who who are in the chambers to align mm-hmm. with that, whether they are Democrat or whether they are Republican. Samantha, you look like you got something to say. I do. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one, I'm so surprised that you went to wetlands and <laughs> global warming. But <laughs> Why? Okay. Uh, because... So one of the reasons why they feel like that's not like a high priority issue for black people is because any issue that comes up that's more long term is not super high on our priority list because we have so many more things that are impacting our day to day. Like it feels like a privilege to be able to worry about global warming and things that are going to happen, you know, that many years from now. And so, um, but I'm, I am excited though about things that are that are coming around. And, and I think Autumn hit the nail on the head with about partnerships. Like this is not a topic 
that uh, historically I've known a lot about, but one of our Hoja Women Forest Sisters is actually working to create a climate council in the party, Morgan. And Morgan. Um, yeah, and and this is why, right? Because there's so many things, like there's so many reasons, and there's so many ways that environmental, even environmental justice issues, right? Um, I use this example like to death, but I tell people all the time, all four of my sons have, a touch of asthma mm. and that's probably completely contributed mm. to the fact of where like where we live on the far east side and so mm-hmm. um we just need to make these issues uh you know matter to like that day-to-day like break it down for people and make that connection onto like how environmental issues are impacting us um also kib has been doing a really good job at doing studies around sorry, the what's city. KIB? keep indianapolis beautiful thank you um they got an epa grant uh, not too long ago um to do a heat study out here to do an air quality study out here and so yeah just like partnering with organizations that have more of the know-how because honestly we just have been in a space where we haven't felt like we had the luxury to worry about those things but as they come up to us um making sure that we're that we're listening and and definitely supporting any kind of legislation that comes through that makes sense for our communities you know you just uh you talked about being validated and affirmed uh earlier you just affirmed me as well because i remember when i had a young woman come up to me and she you know i'm out here and she was like dana how do i i'm trying to get people in the community to get uh, engaged in this climate change discussion and i literally said the exact same thing to her honey th- them folks ain't worried about that <laughs> the roof over the head it's a different conversation right yeah but but when we talk about the fact that there was a report that came out a couple of years ago that said if you live in indiana if you have asthma move because the air quality is so bad here and and again you the wetlands is not just about the wetlands right it's about the the the, the green the lush greenery that surrounds it and we already know that you know, trees and plants take in carbon monoxide and, and feed out oxygen. So if you, you get rid of all those natural f- air filters, we're all going to be living in a space where we can't breathe. And so, you know, climate change, there's, there's also, you know, um, a racial justice element to yeah. climate change and how it's impacting um, people uh, of economic who have economic challenges. If you're not able to buy an air filter every week for your house or every month or whatever it is, you're going to suffer more, you know, respiratory issues. So, you know, you're right. And we just got to break those things down. And one of the things yeah. we, and you and I love that you said that, because, again, that's what politics is and being civically engaged. It's about letting everybody understand that everything you do in life is based on policy. All right, let's get to the economy. Autumn. <laughs> You know, I, I talked about earlier about um, how they want to, you know, uh, pass tax burdens away, property tax burdens away from uh, for-profit organizations. And they're doing it for child care reasons. So they, they're they masking it as a child care bill. But OK, whatever. Um, but the, they're, they're shifting tax burden from corporations that are making millions of dollars down to the everyday person. Um, they're taking away uh, the the development zone in downtown Indianapolis, which would have we would have received um, funding from the federal government to help de- the square mile. And I understand a lot of people be like, man, we spend a lot of money in the square mile. But I'm sorry, that's where the most money is made for the entire state. Mm-hmm. But but real people are feeling the impact. Talk about your economic vision um, for Hoosiers, because in the House is what is the fiscal body. Talk about your economic vision for Hoosiers and what you see. 
Or I would definitely say um, my vision would be to um, partner with different organizations who have training programs for um, for individuals, whether it be um, you know a certificate, whether it's a trade school, and really and truly um, putting my constituents and prom and I would say really <clears throat> promising at least you know five to ten people that I'm willing to put through their programs to a speak to um, several different issues. So whether it's you know we have one less person who's out here doing something they have no business doing. Or um, and it's also stimulating the um, the economy with keeping securing and keeping jobs, as well as they now have funding to um, you know possibly buy a home or to invest that money in other things. Um, so it's really like a cycle that I want to see where we are. Um, we're finding the the beginning solution and the ending is is stimulating the economy as well as um, helping the the individual um, be able to thrive in in my community as well. And then finally, you know, the last topic, uh, we mentioned it you, and you went into depth um, when you talked about your health scare. Um, we right. know the infant and maternal mortality rate in our communities uh, in Indiana of all demographics is horrific. And it's even worse in the black community. Uh-huh. Talk about your vision for health care, because I know that is probably your that that's your that's what you, you know, your thing. Talk about it. Give us your vision. Um, so honestly, when that when you position that question to me, and it's not a me thing, it's a, a we thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I really and truly want to see the number or the age for um, for mammograms to be lowered. Um, for myself, I know that I could not get a mammogram when I first told them, "Hey, I feel you know I feel something's going on," because of the fact that we do have a law in place saying that you cannot have a mammogram unless you are forty and older. What? Um, and so, I didn't even yeah. know that. Yes, or 35 um, if it runs in your family. And so, I by law, insurance would not pay for it. Wait, and wait, so wait. I would, I'm sorry. Wait, wait. This is one of the moments where you be having a good moment and then the, the, the host interrupt. You mean to tell me I can go and purchase a gun without a permit and carry it around, but I can't get a mammogram at 25 if I want one? Nope. You can get it. You can pay for it out of pocket, but insurance will not cover it. Okay. Uh, see, make it make sense to me because that ain't making no sense. But go ahead. Go ahead. Absolutely. So <laughs> there's a lot of um, there's a lot of women in general who go undiagnosed every year um, who are you know significantly young because of the fact that they're not they don't have access to healthcare. Again, it's an access thing, um, and so that's a that's something that I would work on. Um, as well as there's there's so many things, um, especially when it comes to black and brown women, mm-hmm. where we are um, really suppressed when it comes to just all systems system. They all all the systems work the way they're supposed to, if that makes sense. And so mm-hmm. um, for me, I really want to um, really work to construct it to work for for us. Um, so that would be something I would want to see as well as, you know, possibly. Um, putting something in the legislation where we are now, um, we're promoting doulas and we're promoting, um, you know, professionals who are not uh, necessarily OBGYNs, if you will, mm-hmm. but they mm-hmm. are black trusted um, medical professionals who are going to see you from the beginning of your birth and then afterwards to make sure that you have the prenatal care that you have, uh, that you need. Um, because a lot of times, even with, um, with uh prenatal care there's postpartum depression that mm-hmm. you may see 
And so it's just kind of like, it's all like a domino effect. If we're not treating the, um, the symptom, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. What are we doing? Like, really, what are we doing? I know. And, and Shelly Yoder, uh, there's been a couple of bills that's come through and I've heard Senator Shelly Yoder um, argue for, are, are you covering doulas? So, you know, it, the, the seed has been planted. But, but the, probably the biggest issue when it comes to health care um, in Indiana and around the country is, is access to reproductive health care or even transgender health care. Talk to me about, you know, uh, reproductive health care is something is, 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 has been a dividing subject, um, dividing America for, for 50 years. What is your stance on access to reproductive health care? I support it wholeheartedly. I support it wholeheartedly. I am, um, I am a um, recipient of um, of, it, of the benefits of it prior to it being um, closed down, and I'm I'm okay with sharing that. Um, I had a life threatening situation where I could not carry full time um, because of my diagnosis, and I could have honestly. They told me it was between um, caring and not making it after the birth, and so I had to make a very um, very intimate decision. Um, and quickly in order to save my life. And so um, couldn't do it here, had to drive to Ohio to gain mm-hmm. access. And so I wholeheartedly support it. Wow. That, so you, you are one of the, you're like the women in Texas. You were one of those women who had a life threatening issue because they mm-hmm. keep saying we got exceptions. The exception mm-hmm. is except I don't never want you to have one. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they plan, they plan. Mm-hmm. You know, thank you for sharing that story, because I know that as a as going through it, having to make that decision was tough. But we letting dudes who can't even give birth and don't really understand a woman's body ever, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, trying to tell us what we can and we can't do. Um, and we need more advocates for women's reproductive health care um, and transgender health care um, in our state house, because body autonomy is body autonomy. Right? Absolutely. Right. I mean, we, we go ahead. You were about to say something. I was going to say, um, you know, men that uh, I'm just saying this is from this is a open statement for myself. Um, I truly believe that men who do not have reproductive um, like the ovaries and they don't have menstrual cycles, they should not be making decisions for us. That's what I truly believe. And um, if they are, they should it should be in the best interest of for us. Yeah. And that they're they're worried that, you know, they lose in population and, you know, they're going to be the minority. Uh, in, in about 10 more years, you know, it's, it's really frustrating um, on that level. Thank mm-hmm. you so much for sharing. But before we go, Samantha, you know, I did bring you on for a reason. Yeah. You know, I want you to talk about... Like, you mean you didn't want me to just sit here and look pretty? Well, I mean, that's three, <laughs> Look, I'm going to say it if don't nobody else say it. There's three fine honeys on this screen. I'm just saying, <laughs> okay. you know. You know, you got you got a little chocolate going okay. on over here. You know, you got to have a chocolate. No, <laughs> real talk. So, Samantha, I, I brought you on because, you know, I talk about Black Pearl IT Solutions. I talk about Black Pearl Studios. But I can't do all of those services. I can't do everything, right? Just like you said, you you know, Adam, I don't know everything. I just got to be able to partner with people. And, wh- and one of the folks that I've always partnered with um, at Black Pearl was you. Um, talk about what you do. What else you do? I, y'all, I like, I do so much. It's, it's a lot, but, um, I, we're talking about, um, I'm sure you're talking about graphic design, which I, I, which I love, honestly, I didn't know I was going to like it this much. And it was actually your significant other that pulled me into this because I was doing logos for small businesses 
and community. Yes, hey Nicole. Um, but yeah, I was doing logos just in general. And um, you guys really brought me into the fold. She explained her vision and it was just so easy to pull together. And then I realized, man, I just really love this. And now I've done so many. Um, I've done Nicole Bolden's. Um, I've done Bianca Torado. I've done oh, Alex. Mm-hmm. I did Bianca Torado. Yeah, and her website. And um, yeah, I did um Monisha Mitchell, I did social media graphics for her. I do the social media graphics for IDEC. So you guys know I'm the communications director for IDEC State. Um, so I'm excited about like all the things we have coming that way too. You're gonna have to bring me back on to well, talk about we'll that. Talk about IDEC. What's going on with IDEC? Because you know, black folks need to get so, involved. So talk about okay. it. Okay. That's so this year I'm so excited for us. So really we took a massive hit. Well, if you if you're familiar with IDEC at all, you know a lot of our membership has aged beautifully okay but we've aged a bit and so um when covid came through it really really crippled our chapters um around the state and so for the last couple of years since i've been involved with idac we've really been focused on rebuilding those chapters especially in those strongholds you know places like here like uh fort wayne gary evansville um where we have a decent population of of black voters um really rebuilding those chapters, getting them sustainable, and then building out from there. So right now we're really building internally. We're pushing membership right now. So join IDAC, join IDAC, go to IDAC.org. The membership due is only $25 a year, a year, super accessible. Um, but yeah, so we, we need to get people in for this first quarter. Second quarter, we will shift to outreach, getting people registered, getting people um in the party and getting them active um obviously in the in the caucus so that's part of it we also have a fundraising gala coming up in october yeah um it's called the black effect gala um celebrating progress and increasing access i'm so excited about that get your outfits yes. now get your outfits now get ready to support and when i say support i need money yeah let definitely. me be specific um, but, uh, yeah, like, I mean, and really it's time for people to put their money where their mouth is, mm -hmm. put their money where their mouth is. Um, we talk about wanting to be inclusive. We talk about wanting to get more black people to the polls. We talk about wanting to engage our black men. It's time for us to actually do those things. So I'm excited to do that through IDAC this year. Um, and then, you know, there's other projects that I'm working on. I'll tell y'all as that stuff comes out, but just, I'm really excited about where IDAC is going really like truly. Um, yeah. But out, outside of that, yeah, going back to the graphics, like I've just been supporting a bunch of candidates throughout the state with graphics and, and I'm excited to do so. I'm glad that uh, I have a skill set that I can lend to them, have them out here looking good, you know. Well, what, where can they find you if they um, need a, a graphic artist? So um, obviously my Facebook is Samantha Douglas and it's my face. Um, I also have my website is designwithsam.com. Uh, I've told you a zillion times it's not updated. This is my fault, but you can't see some of my past work. Uh, my campaign logos aren't on there yet, but I'll add those. Um, but yeah, you can connect with me through the site designwithsam.com or you can connect with me through Facebook. I'm usually on and off throughout the day. Um, yeah. And, and I'm around like, come on. Right. I'm you, around. you like me, you easy to find and you got your far yeah, east. You have your far east side nonprofit, right? Yeah, so I'm the so I'm the president of the Far East Side Community Council, and I'm a precinct committee person 
um, in Warren Township. But I, I have a, a nonprofit out here, 501c3, which is uh, Christ Up Inc. And we work with grassroots organizations just that they serve the Far East Side. To um, We're kind of like a intermediary, kind of help them get their ideas and projects together and then also serve as a fiscal agent for them as well for the people who don't have 501c3s. Um, and then this year, you know, through IDEC, we launched Power to the Polls. But this year, it's actually going to become its own C4 so that I can move um, free of party and really have more access to reach more people. So we'll be doing that this year, too. So we'll have a C4, too. Okay. I hope we can do another IDAC, Democratic yeah. uh, Power of the Black Vote, again, because uh, I, yeah. I think it's important that we teach folks on how to be civically engaged. Um, I, you know, I know that you love doing the nonprofit work, but I'm a partisan kind of hack, so I'm a I'm a be a Democrat. But I'd love to I love doing the training aspect of it, and hopefully we can we can get that going again this year where we talk about it because I know in, in Monroe County I would do a power of the black and brown vote, and you know because they try to divide those communities up, and we all suffer from the same thing. So it's about bringing all yeah. of those together. You know, the reason again I want you guys to understand turn left is about bringing you information. Turn left is about is about highlighting people. First and foremost, I start with love. I don't have no hate in my heart. I don't have no desire to tear people down or make them look silly or any of those things because the rest of the world can do that. I sure as heck ain't gonna do it to to black women. That yep. being said, every week I'm bringing you people who are running for office around the state, and the goal is to get you engaged. Bring either your time, your talent, or your treasure. Okay, Autumn. Tell the people where they can find you. Sure. So you can find me at acforindy.com. Um, there you can donate and learn more about my campaign as well as um, social media handles, which are Instagram, AC for Indy, and Facebook, Autumn Carter for State House Representative. And if you liked anything she said today, there's a donate link right there. Turn Left is an official fundraiser for every candidate that comes on the show. So click, click the link. $5, make it recurring. If you ain't got a lot of money right now, make it a $5 recurring donation once a month. So every candidate that appears on the show, it'll be a fundraiser for them um, as a means of me trying to help these candidates get elected. Do you have any events coming up? I do. So on February the 8th, which is next Thursday, I have my campaign um, on finance. Thursday. Yes. Yep, on stand. Thursday. You're going to have turn left on at your kickoff? You know, we can do that. We can set that up. I think I think uh I think Samantha actually um invited you to come out and do it live. No, and then I said it was on Thursday. No, I mean you put put me on the big screen. Put me on the big screen. Me and Jesse, <laughs> can, turn left can be you know to entertainment for the night. I'm just <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so yes, I'm That's having right. um Go no, ahead. you're fine. I'm having my campaign um launch fundraiser. So it's my official launch, just really telling you more about myself and more about my platform. Um and also to a chance for donors to come out and donate. Um, and meet them in person because I truly want to meet um, and greet every single person that and thank um, any person that donates to my campaign, whether it's their time or whether it's um, financial, which I'm like, bring all the monies because we um, we need them. We need we need that in order to um, push the messaging and to get elected to make these things happen that we talked about tonight. Um, and then also, <laughs> and then also, oh, sorry. Then also to. Um, you can follow me for um, for future events on AC for Indy or my social media handles. I love it. I love it. Y'all, this was dope. I really love this conversation. A couple of things I want to leave y'all with tonight. One, support black women. 
I'll start there. You know, we've been holding this party down forever. Uh, we've been, you know, from the Fannie Lou Hamers to the, you know, the, the Kamala Harris's. We've been holding it down, holding them mm-hmm. accountable, right? Absolutely. You know, when things didn't go away, Fannie didn't go, she didn't go off to and hide in the corner. She said, well, if you don't let me in, I'm going to do my own thing. Mm-hmm. You know, she don't give up the fight because if you give up, you let them win, right? So support black women. Two, support young people. You old people who are not helping young people, what, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? You didn't had your turn, even if you're still shining. Because I know, like, look, Maxine Waters still shining. Auntie Maxine's still doing her thing, so I'm not <laughs> finna tell y'all. But, but what are you doing to help young people? If you're not helping young people, you're not preparing for the future. So if you got some skills that, you, that are transferable and then you can give those to young people so that they are ready Help young people. More importantly, the last thing I want to leave you with tonight is it is Black History Month. Black folks been holding this party down. You know, we South Carolina. If Joe, if if Clyburn doesn't say it, I'm back in Biden. Biden doesn't win South Carolina, and we could be. We might not even have a democracy right now. Because the orange menace is already telling you he's going to be a dictator. And it's not just him. I want to be, make everybody be, understand. It's not just Trump. Mike Johnson, Speaker of the House, is also a part of that MAGA mad- madness. All of these people is more, I mean, good Lord, Tim Scott. I, you know, he's so bad. I, no, he can't come to the barbecue, but we gonna, we gonna, we gonna holler him later. Like, bro, I mean, come on, come on. Come on, Wait, any you're supposed to be an Audi, not an any. I need you to to stand up for yourself, and, and you know, and he's not. Um, but but we have been holding it down. But I also need my black folks to get involved. You can't complain about what's not happening and then stay on the sidelines. You can't be upset that these pieces of legislation are impacting your life negatively, but you didn't do anything to help change who made the policy, right? This the election is where we begin the policy-making process because who you put in office will determine how that policy will be written. And I'm telling you, I don't care if it's the milk you buy or the tennis shoes you wear on your feet, there's some policy associated with it. So get involved, time, talent, or treasure so that we can flip some seats. We gotta flip some seats. Democracy is on the line. It's not hyperbolic. Democracy is on the line this year. Okay, so you gotta show up and you gotta show out and support people like Autumn and Samantha, who are doing the community work um, and, and getting the word out and doing their thing. I, and, and even if you don't ever want to hold a position as elected official, campaign manager, party leadership, none of that, there's still ways for you to improve the quality of life in your communities by being civically engaged. And that's what I want to leave y'all with tonight because I'm not going to call GOP trash no more. No, yes, I will. I will. In the meantime, <laughs> I will holler at y'all next week. Peace. Turn Left is the property of Black Girl IT Solutions. Executive producer, Indiana's own Dana Black. Music by www.binsound.com.